And we're back with another episode of Visionary Living, the podcast. And I am your host, Rick or Rico, Rico from Puerto Rico. And uh, I am here with an awesome friend, a new friend, uh, old friend. It's, yes. uh, you know, and uh, introduce yourself, my friend, Anthony, Anthony Quinones. My name is Anthony. Um, I do work in the realm of transformation, shadow work, breath work, awareness, um, somatic healing. So. Somatic healing and breath work. And so today we got something very interesting. It's called shadow work. So um, if you're interested in what that means, uh, just go ahead and stay tuned. And we're going to have a very juicy episode for you guys. Um, you know, good 50 minutes uh, of fun, interesting, juicy conversations. Um, and you know what it revolves around is uh, healing the splintered parts of our personalities. So, um, so yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Right, and we're we're back with another episode, and um, so uh, let's why don't you get us started? What exactly are you talking about? What, like, what is shadow work? When I hear shadow work, I get I get a lot of uh, I make up a lot of stuff that's like, oh my god, shadows! Oh my goodness! So, what does it mean? Uh, should I be afraid of it? Like, what does this mean? Go ahead and get us started. Uh, so, shadow work, in the way that I understand it and experienced it personally, and even the way uh, Young would. Um, sort of describe it is shadow work is an integration and almost like a reintroduction mm-hmm. to your conscious being of all of those splintered parts of your psyche that you've kind of pushed off to the background that you've like, Oh, I don't mm-hmm. want any, I don't want to deal with that part of myself and I don't want anybody else to see or experience that part of myself. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of tuck it away and pretend it's not there. So it's really like what's in the subconscious, but what, what, what runs us a lot of the time. So, all right. So, what I hear you saying is, uh, kind of, uh, I guess through our life, we kind of have these traumatic experiences that kind mm-hmm. of, you know, that we don't like, right? Right. Um, you know, just to bring up some, you know, abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, whatever that be, right? And and uh, and so when that comes up, it's almost like I don't want to believe that it's true. I don't want to allow myself to feel those emotions or accept the reality that it's happening. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah. Um. Just to touch on even like there's a difference between how we recall memory for other things in our life uh-huh. versus traumatic memories. So, for example, what ends up happening uh, during a traumatic when we have a uh, trauma happen, our brain remembers it differently because the amygdala mm-hmm. is it gets activated and it it purposefully splinters those memories and then those memories actually get stored in the body. Wow. Okay. So first of all, I just, this is very interesting how I, I had a podcast guest, Nora Lynn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and not only Nora Lynn, I believe Michelle Alva was another one of my guests that spoke into this about how the emotional body is so powerful that if we don't release or express or experience those emotions fully, it does get stuck in the body. So can you elaborate in your own way uh, as to what that means for you and how did you come about learning about all this stuff? So. When we have, so for example, when we get triggered, okay, <laughs> right, 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 either anger will trigger us or some fear or an insecurity, right, of like, oh, is this, am I going to be abandoned by this person? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, um, it's an autonomic response. So, for example, like your heart is autonomic; it's a part of your system that just it's helps you. It's 
automatic. Right. So what ends up happening is when you experience that trauma, there's a belief created and then it becomes a part of the autonomic system, not just mentally in the thoughts, uh-huh. but in the, in the like physiological response. Uh-huh. So it's interesting how a lot of times those, whatever event happens later on after the trauma will then begin to trigger mm. those same emotions because those that trauma hasn't been healed and dealt with yet and it's mm-hmm. still stuck in the body, mm. right? So a part of the shadow work that I talk about is not just mentally going back and clearing it, but then like energetically, somatically clearing it from the body. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't, so that trauma response stops being autonomic and it doesn't, it's not in the body any longer. So I want to go back to something that you said about um, the amygdala and how it splinters. So when we experience something through trauma, Mm-hmm. you're saying that the amygdala, which is what the fear-based mm-hmm. or gland in our yeah. brain, right? And that it, it purposefully splinters what? It, it purposefully will splinter off the memory and, and have it, so the memory gets stored, not the way you would rem- remember going to the fair with your dad at five years old. Got it. For the first it's time. It's stored in a different part of the... Right. It, start, it, it gets splint because it's to protect you. The, right. the point of the amygdala is to protect you when you have a trauma experience. Makes sense. So then what ends up happening is a lot of... Because we're not taught to be conscious. Like right. it's not a part of our education in right, life. Right. For a lot of us, those little splintered parts start piling up somewhere within mm. our psyche, right? Mm-hmm. Within the, oh, don't open that box psyche. Right. That everyone has. Right. And so it just starts getting piled there. And so like when, you, when you're witnessing someone, when you have a reactive trigger or you're witnessing someone being triggered and reactive, they're not present right. in that moment. They're not there. Mm-hmm. What's present is that identity that is still wounded and still it has that pain and now everything is filtered from that identity that experienced that pain and never got to be reintegrated into conscious being Mm -hmm. so now it's literally running the show well you know what's interesting is you know where i want to take that is uh leadership you know what i noticed about leadership is so what i hear from this conversation is it's a natural response for our body to store traumatic memories in such a way where it becomes an automatic reaction uh, when that comes up again, you know, so right. let's say I got hit by a car and so traumatic. And now when I see car or a car comes too close to me, it triggers a response of fight or flight almost. Right, right. right. Or freeze. Right. Or right. freeze. Right. Um, and so when it triggers that response, uh, what you're saying is that it'll kind of store the memory in a different spot emotionally so that in the future, when I see car, automatically my body will respond and keep me safe out of fear. Right. So it sounds like fear is actually designed to keep us safe to a degree, or at least right, right, to an extent, right? in, instinctively, right? Right. Like danger. Like if I'm like in the woods mm-hmm. and I see a bear, right? Like the lizard part of my brain, which is my survival uh-huh. instinct, uh-huh. Uh-huh. is gonna be like run or fight, right? Right. Because that's that's right. So like in that context, yes. But what ends up happening is, is that we forget that there are contexts where we don't need survival. Mm. And then we start operating from survival in contexts that don't really require it. And that's where it starts meddling and with our lives and sabotaging different parts of our lives. And that's where we start getting really weird, quirky behaviors and patterns in our life because mm-hmm. we're filtering everything through this, I have to survive mm-hmm. uh, filter. And I want to kind of like uh, reframe the way that you say that about the, uh, the context, you know, because... Uh, if I see bear, then that amygdala response actually makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm in fight or flight. But when I think I got to pay my rent this month and I'm short, it triggers the same response. However, I don't need to run around and fight a lion and survive, right? right. So it's a, I, I actually need it to access a different part of myself. It's not fight or flight in that moment. It's more of like leadership and critical thinking. How am I going to overcome this challenge? Right. And so therein lies where I wanted to kind of bring it to with leadership, because what it sounds like is it sounds like with leadership, um, it's about training ourselves to go against our natural instinct of fear. Okay. Kind of like going into it anyways. Right. You know, and and once, once we've experienced the other side of fear, then it's easy to just kind of keep going over, you know, 
kind of going through fear and creating breakthroughs and creating whatever. The, the thing about like a fear response uh-huh. is it's autonomic. Right. right, right, right so right. it's like it's reactive because it. it's the survival part of the brain. Right. Um, we're very conscious beings, right? Like when you compare like who we are as mammals to the other mammals, our frontal lobe is pretty developed. Mm-hmm. So we have like a capacity for, for logic and reasoning that other mammals don't. Got it. Right. So, so yes, when it comes to like leadership in those roles, like even if you were to think about like warriors, mm. ancient warriors, they'd have to like go undergo rigorous training where they would face danger quite often and then become um, conditioned to the danger so that they shut that part off and they're able to think presently and deliberately in that context and still operate and function on a high level when it comes to like being a warrior. Wow, that's powerful. So, all right, so let's bring us back then to shadow work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned shadow work is about uh, what I understood about it is kind of like putting the pieces of our splintered memories back together. Splintered memories, splintered identities. Can you kind of elaborate, go deeper into that? What is that? So mean? for example, like um, I'll just give you one example of what shadow work can look uh, or shadow self can, can express itself as. So let's say you have someone, let's say you have a woman who was raised in a very uh, evangelical, tight, strict Christian home where sexuality is frowned upon. Got it. Right? And so now anything to do with sex is naughty and bad and dirty. Right. So then she takes that aspect of her sexual uh, nature and suppresses it. Okay. And it's no longer valid because it's bad and wrong according to the beliefs that she was, right? So that becomes a part of her um, shadow self. So then she gets in a marriage and she has all these problems with her husband because she is suppressing sexuality because subconsciously, because of the way that she developed her beliefs, it's bad and wrong. And so what's the trauma there? Social acceptance. We want that. And especially as children, we want, like we're we're social creatures, Right. right? So like based on that worldview and that paradigm, if you are sexual or you're a sexually liberated being, right. you're bad and wrong, and then you don't get the sexual, uh, the social acceptance uh, that you need from your, right. from your tribe, from your community. And so like, you will purposefully suppress those parts of yourself unconsciously so that you can be a part of the tribe and the community. So we make like that community or uh, fitting into a group or almost like that identity is more important than any other identity. Right. Exactly. So like the sexual part of us, which all of us are sexual, like if we were all liberated, we would be very freely expressed sexual beings. Right. <laughs> I know we're going down this road, but <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. But I that's just, that's just one aspect yeah. of like what can happen like right. within the shadow. Right. You know, so, uh, so what's interesting is, you know, I have a, I have a workshop that I wrote, it's called successful awareness and mm-hmm. it, it's about um, bringing to the surface taboo conversations like that. You know, right. and, and a lot of the work that I do is kind of helping people get to a place of um, accepting themselves and their sexuality and um, like recontextualizing the way that they were raised and taught. Because like you said, you know, once that, let's say, religious person goes into a marriage after having denied themselves that um, experience for so long and then the intimacy is out in their relationship, even though now everything's good, mm-hmm. like go for it. You know, right. You're married. Everything's good. But then there's still a withholding almost, you know, because that's a cultural conditioning. Something we keep right. with us, you know. Um, so then, you know, so that's, it's interesting that you, you took it there. So, OK, so shadow, like suppressing self identity. You said something to me before we got on the podcast about identities. Can you kind of speak into identity and how identities affect uh, how identity and shadow work coexist or relate? So, for example, like right now, um, you have you're operating from your podcast host identity right (laughs) so this podcast host identity has all kinds of beliefs about itself okay right so you have empowering beliefs that support your vision and support you moving forward and i'm sure you've probably come across some moments of insecurity or fear around what your vision is right so then that would be the identity that identity will then have limiting beliefs around it got it okay right so, so is it possible to avoid limiting beliefs? No. Okay. Wow. That was just, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, like we all You're have, doomed. <laughs> not avoid because here's the thing, like limiting, all limiting beliefs are is 
is a perception, right? Okay. It, and it's not just that it's a perception, but again, back to um, like the depth of shadow work mm-hmm. is a limiting belief is experienced when we have an, an uncomfortable emotion, mm-hmm. right? And that uncomfortable emotion is not just mental, but it's experienced somatically in the body, like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So when you're experiencing a limitation around whatever, so for example, like paying the rent, right? Like right. someone would have the same response of like fighting off a bear, like they would if they needed to come up with 50% of their rent and they had no money or whatever, right, right. right? So again, like, what's their limiting belief around generating the money to pay their rent? Mm. Whatever it is, could be like, I, I'm not resourceful or, you know, um, it's hard to get this money or whatever I'm the case worthy. is. I'm not worthy to be able to be um, creative enough to create, to manifest this money or whatever the case right, is, right, right. right? So that, that response is still the same in the body, right? So like they have an, like their identity has a belief around money in that regard right and we all have our identities like i'm a son i'm a brother i'm a father Mm. i'm uh, a lover right to my partner i'm a friend i'm a coach like those are all identities i also do music right so like those every single one of those parts of me is a makes up what is my ego because the ego isn't just like a lot of the times ego can be ambiguous Mm -hmm. But when you look at it that way, like ego is a collection of all of the identities that we operate from either consciously or unconsciously. Wow, I've never heard it put that way. Ego is a collection of all of our identities. And I never actually thought about how many different identities we have. Because if you think about that, I feel like we have over hundreds of identities that we're operating through every day, even, Mm -hmm. you know, on a day to day. Because like you said, yeah, I identify myself as a driver. I identify myself as a consumer, as a worker, as a family member, as a husband, wife, spouse, brother, sister, son. Like that's, that's big that we have so many different identities that we like relate to. And it gets even deeper than that because each one of those identities will operate, operate from an archetype. No, we have, a, um, we have a comment. Let me just read the comment off. Yeah. Is there uh, validity to past life's influencing present life in your experience with clients if you do that in shadow work? I have not explored because um, I don't do like past life regression. Uh, so I haven't explored that aspect. I mm-hmm. am very open to it. Um, yeah, I, you I look am, like you would be. Yeah, I'm of the belief that, that yes, um, I really do believe in like a karmic influence in when it comes to shadow work because mm-hmm. essentially like what shows up in this incarnation a lot of the times is like karmic, mm-hmm. right? And then like the purpose of our experience is to become conscious of it and then, you know, like deal with our karmic stuff that we've kind of left as residue from the past life. Yeah, that's interesting because, and I want to speak into that too, Janesh, because um, I believe in ep- uh, epigenetics. And if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with epigenetics, I know that one of my past episodes, I kind of go deeper into it. But epigenetics essentially is uh, all of our life experiences being imprinted in our DNA and passed on to our kids. Um, and there's actually an experiment that they did with rats. And what they did was they took, they saw, noticed that a group of rats all gravitated towards blueberries. They would give them a, a food with mixed fruits and mixed foods, right? And they would all eat the blueberries first. And so they noted that this group of rats loves blueberries and every generation loved blueberries. Like as soon as they had uh, kids, they'd go for the blueberries first. So what they then did is they took a uh, generation of the mice and every time they gave them a blueberry, they shocked them, like Mm. electrical shock. So the the mouse was like, oh, I don't like the blueberries anymore. Right. And then uh, so what they then discovered, though, was that when those that generation of mice that have associated blueberries and shocking, when that generation of mice had offspring, uh, that next generation of mice instinctually avoided blueberries. Mm -hmm. They instinctually did not like blueberries. The fear of blueberries was passed along in their DNA uh, via epigenetics. Uh, So do you have any comments on that one? Um, I agree with it. Like I've seen it. Um, I've been in <clears throat> like, can you we, see how that might tie into past life regression? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Cause like there'll be things that'll show up in your space and you're like, how, 
am I creating this? Yeah. Like, how is this manifesting? Yeah. And you're like, okay, we'll just go back, you know? And, and so, like, I don't do the whole past life regression therapy where, like, I hypnotize someone and they right. go, right. and they realize they were Cleopatra or something. <laughs> like, I don't do that type of way. Right, right, right. right? But, right. like, it, it, is, it is present. Right. Right? Like, your, your karmic whatever is present with yeah with well you. the only reason i brought that up is because uh when i used to think of past life regression therapy i kind of thought of it almost like a woo woo or spiritual practice mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong i i'm with it i could totally get on board with that but for those who are a little bit more pragmatic practical skeptical and they want the science behind things I think that epigenetics is a powerful way to exemplify how past life regression therapy could be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know past life regression therapy like that. I'm not uh, certified or, or anything in that domain, but um, I do know that I've seen people work through past life traumas and like you're saying with shadow work where they integrate a part of the, their past that they suppressed for so long due to trauma. Right. What got you into this? How'd you get into shadow? Like I've never heard of it, been into it. And all of a sudden you're coming here talking to me and I'm very interested and curious and you seem very intelligent in your field. So like, how did you discover this? How'd, how'd you get into it? So in, I believe 2015, um, one of my mentors who leads a community in Hollywood, his name is Kevin Walton. Okay. And he's a transformational coach and he has a community down there called the light beings community. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. I have a very good friend of mine. Um, I'm blanking on it. Luna. Luna. Yeah. Hi, Luna. Love, Shouted you out. I'm going to tag you. Yeah. <laughs> Luna and I, we know each other. We're actually birthday twins. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, yeah, like we both know Kevin. Like through Kevin, a lot of transformation happened. Mm-hmm. Like I, I became very aware of a lot of stuff mm-hmm. by working with Kevin and, and being a part of the Light Beings community mm-hmm. and doing that work with him. So, I did a lot of shadow work with Kevin. You know, I brought up a lot of the demons that I had no idea was operating and the stuff that I was afraid to touch. Awesome. And I, I definitely, after the podcast, would love to talk to you more about that. Since yeah. it popped up in my space, I'm curious. I'd like, to, I'd like to say what up to that community. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. And uh, where does shadow work stem from? Like, wh- how do you know? Carl Jung. Okay. So Carl Jung is a psychoanalyst, um, contemporary, I believe, of uh, Freud. Okay. Um, and kind of, he broke up and I like, started doing his own thing. The best minds always do that, huh? Right. And so Carl Jung is like, his works are so exhaustive, right? Like, and you'd have, you have to like chew on his work for a little bit. But essentially, like, he's the one that... Oh, is it dense? Yeah, his work is dense and it's heady and wordy. Yeah, like me. <laughs> Sounds perfect. My emails are like... <laughs> Chill, Rico. So like, he coined the term shadow self. Okay. Right? And like, he he talks about like, Everything that's unconscious is a part of the shadow and you have to bring it to consciousness to integrate it. So it almost sounds like shadow, the word shadow, when, you, when we say shadow work, is the unconscious self, it seems like. Essentially. Okay. Yeah, yeah good. I, I like that because the word, I mean, again, I want to kind of desensitize people to the words shadow work because when I first heard it, I kind of had a reaction to it, an assumption right. to it. You know yeah. what I mean? But now I'm like, oh, yeah, give me some of that. I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's shadow because a lot of it's like, oh no. Yeah, it's taboo. Don't look at it. Right. Or, or, or you don't even, again, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So there's a lot of our unconscious that we don't even know we're operating from, which is a part of the shadow. Right. And so it, it's necessary to then develop a deep awareness practice. Mm. So that way you are now uh, functioning from this template of awareness versus auto automatic response right, like right, filtering reactions right almost yeah so you're like you're just always in the space where you're like i'm i'm present and aware towards everything and so like a way to like begin to discover more of like what's in the shadow is is to begin here and be aware of the body mm. and then be aware of the breath and then be aware of other people right and then just start expanding your awareness right because you know the thing about the shadow is it's there it's present but if you're not aware to it you won't be able to access certain parts interact with right and you won't be able to integrate it right and again the first step to transformation is awareness awareness absolutely right so like that's the first step for like anything to do with dealing with the shadow is commit to an awareness practice right and could you give us a couple of modalities that you would recommend in terms of an awareness practice 
Um, so one thing is to like, you could just be aware with your senses, right? You, you know, just like notice what you see, hear, and feel. Is right? there is notice. there a structured practice that creates awareness? Like, for example, yoga or something like that? That's one way to do it, right? Because mm-hmm. you're being aware of the body and okay. the movements, right? Right. So like you're practicing how to discipline your mind, your attention, which is your life force, right? Right. So like we know like where energy flows, where attention goes. Okay. Yep. Right. And so with the shadow self, what it is, is there's a lot of fixed attention in those parts, which is why they show up and they get triggered. Mm. Right. So there's like fixed attention and then judgment around those things. Mm. So like in exploring shadow work, what we're doing is we're noticing the fixed attention that's in those parts. Mm. And then we're cleaning up the judgments around it because when I put my attention on something and then I add judgment to it, I create emotional charge in the body. Yep. Makes sense. So essentially like those response, those trauma responses are automatic judgments at the end of the day. So if you go back to where the attention is and then clean up the judgments, you start freeing up the attention and you start freeing up the autonomic responses of the emotions. Mm. And now when you're able to just observe whatever that memory was from a neutral place without a judgment, now there's no emotional charge at all. You're just present with it and neutral. Right. And again, like going like, and it all ties in together. Right. So like going like, for example, like law of attraction stuff, right. right? Like it's not your thoughts that create it's, it's the emotions because that's the juicy energetic pull or gravitation towards whatever it is. So a lot of people don't realize, but they manifest from their shadow. Because there's a lot of emotions around it. Right. Right. So like I will witness something. I'll have a judgment about it. That judgment will then create an emotional charge in the body. Whatever meaning I assign to it, that emotional charge starts going, okay, let's draw in more of that experience that then creates more of that emotional charge. So the, the importance of being able to neutralize the judgments is that we begin to discreate those experiences that we prefer not to have. Right. 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 That's interesting stuff, man. Uh, very, you're very intelligent. I, I appreciate your contribution to the podcast. And hopefully our guests are creating some um, value from that too. Lynn Everard has commented and said, shadow work is amazing. Yes. <laughs> if any of our live uh, viewers, listeners want to just kind of like look inside yourself, what parts of yourself uh, would you say is your shadow? What parts of yourself are you denying, suppressing? What, what traumas in your past are you pretending is not there? And uh, is it possible that by uh, avoiding this and continually, continuing to suppress it, that you're actually keeping your, your growth stunted, right? Um, and for those who are live with us, if you want to comment or have anything, any questions, um, you know, feel free to go ahead. It's, very, it's limited. It's only 50 minutes. So hurry up and comment if you got any comments. Um, so I just wanted to switch the conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring us to the purpose of visionary living. So Visionary Living, the podcast, is designed for uh, guests like yourself to come on and inspire people uh, with a story that you lived out of one once, where you had a vision for the end result that you wanted to manifest for your life, and you, overcome, you overcame obstacles, challenges, and opportunities to get there by using that vision, almost like a lighthouse in the midst of a storm. So do you have like a moment in your life where you had a vision for something you wanted to create? And there was a long, treacherous road ahead and you did it and you actually succeeded and attained your vision thanks to your persistence. Hmm. Yes. So when I started to explore shadow work, so like I have to attribute like where a lot of the work has come from, right? So like Light Beings is one and there's another community in uh, Fort Lauderdale called the Self-Discovery Life Mastery. Okay. Um, And they're uh they're like transformational work they have their own set of workshops and all that so a lot of the stuff that i know i've learned from them i've learned from uh the light beings and then my own personal study and integration with it so i remember um the year that i had decided to do the second workshop Mm -hmm. um i had started a business and i never had any experience in that before so it was challenging to move forward with that Mm -hmm. and grow business and get things moving along. So I remember that when I went into that workshop, I was, I had my little business on the side and then 
I was working a job I, I just hated, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just didn't want to be there. We all did that. Right? And <laughs> I remember, like, after workshop number two, I was so, like, open. And my belief level was just so solid and clear. I quit my job on Monday with no plan. And then, like, in that week, I got, like, five new clients to my business. It was just like, boom. That's awesome. You know what I mean? So how did you have, how did you mold that vision? And how did you step into it? It it was, like, my vision was, like, grow my business. Right. Right. And, like, because I value autonomy and sovereignty, right? Like, being a sovereign being of your own life and, being the master and creator of your own life, right? Okay. I value that a lot. Like instead of like being an employee, there's nothing wrong with being an employee. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, the entrepreneurial route, having power. Right, and, right. Because uh, there's so much freedom in right, just right. making. I'm the same way. I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur, serialpreneur. You make, <laughs> you make a choice and like you don't have to answer to anybody because that's your choice. And it's, there's a lot of freedom there. So it, it, it can be a little scary too because, you know, it's not guaranteed. Right. It's risky. It's, it's very risky. But usually the profit also is, is, is a high reward price for that risk. Right. Yeah. So, um, like, really, like, the vision of it was free myself up in time to be able to allocate towards what I really love. For example, like, I'm a songwriter. I've been writing songs for a very long time. What medium? What modality? With guitar or piano? I, I write, or? you know, I, I, I'm a singer-songwriter. So okay, got you it. You know what I mean? Like, Lyricist. I, I, I create really good pop music, you know? Hey. So, um, like, one of my visions is, like, having a billboard. Like, having a few billboard hits, you know what I mean? I might have someone very awesome to connect you with. Awesome. In fact, right after this podcast, if you're free, come with me to West Palm Beach. I got something interesting for you. Nice. Um, okay, cool. I have another comment. <clears throat> Hold on. Let's just read it. Anger shows up for me and charges me. I see it and I'm aware of it. it is challenging to shift this without throwing shade at others. Cool. Can I speak into that? Please. Yeah. Okay. So like one of the things I learned with Kevin is, um, the, there are core emotions and then there are feelings about those emotions so emotions and feelings are actually different okay so um what he calls them are gateway emotions okay right gateway so emotions. for example when you're experiencing is that like with the gateway drug gateway emotions. right because the, the the emotion when so a gateway emotion is the immature form of a of a higher emotion that makes sense right so for example like a lot often when we're experiencing anger unconsciously there's a victim narrative happening like, I can't control this. There's nothing I can do about this. I really hate this right now, right? So there's just, like, victim narrative happening. That's where anger is present. Wow. So if you can really frame your whole life to remove the victim narrative altogether, you'll find that you'll become a lot less angry because you're, no, you're realizing, one, I am the source of this experience. So whatever it is I'm creating, it, it's me. I'm the creator of it. So I'm not a victim to whatever is occurring. And there's something here for me of value in terms of awareness, right? So like uh, one thing uh, my friend Kevin would say, he's like, feeling is the road to the awareness of everything. So we begin to pay attention to our feelings and be really present to them. We become aware of things that we normally wouldn't be aware of too, right? So like, why am I throwing shade? Because you feel powerless. So you need to, in order to feel some sense of power because you're feeling very unsafe and insecure, you will throw shade to get that like, um, it's almost like a like a little crack shot, like a gr- instant gratification. Yes, it's, it's, yeah, it's an instant gratification. Like you throw shade to feel powerful and to feel like you have some sense of control and like direction, but it's really an illusion because none of us have control of anything. We have command of ourselves. We have command of our emotions and our mind and our responses, right? Because a reaction isn't really conscious; right. it just happens. But a response is, I'm deliberately choosing this, right? So, like, I'm gonna throw shade. Why are you throwing shade? Like, there's some stuff to look at. Like, that's, that's why you're throwing shade. Like, there's go deeper, right? Like, you're throwing shade because you don't feel powerful. You feel powerless, mm. right, to whatever the situation is. And you feel like a victim on some level. So, like, go back and clean up those narratives and start loving victim self, whatever um, version of you that has that. And, 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 and that's, that's a part of that reintegration process, too, is loving it. Right. Right. And Instead not of, judging uh, it. Denying and, it. Right. Right. Because so, so, for example, like there is this narrative, especially like with uh, entrepreneurial coach, like don't be a victim, be like a badass all the time. 
the fact is that a lot of us have victim identities. Right. Right. And right, right, right. so if, if I'm experiencing myself as a victim, uh, a lot of the time the narrative is like, push that away. Like, you don't want to be a victim. You want to be tough. It's like, okay, just be honest about it. Right. Be in the experience of it. Don't judge it. Like, I'm right now, I'm experiencing myself as a victim. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. So what's there? You know, I kind of want to talk into that too, because um, I was talking with somebody about absolutes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, I have this example that I like to speak into about absolutism and how the word absolute itself, um, actually, you know, the prefix is ab, A-B, and the prefix ab actually means without. And then so, 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 uh, solute, actually, so absolute, right? So solute, in a chemical reaction, a solvent plus a solute equals the solution. Mm -hmm. Right. So literally when you're absolute in your thinking, like it's one way and that's just the way it is, period. There's no ability to ch change flex, anything like that. Then you're literally without the solution mm. or you're 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 without a part of the equation that would get you to the solution. Right. If that makes sense. Um, and so what I find for a lot of people is that if we were to say, hey, you kind of sound like a victim or don't be a victim automatically that ego defensiveness comes up and it's like, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to complain or be a victim or, you know, and then now they go right into this defensive narrative of like me against you kind of thing. Even though the whole purpose of that was like, Hey, I'm, I'm just showing you a part of yourself that maybe is not serving you. You know what I mean? Right. Um, do you have any comments yeah, so, on that? Cause here's like, here's the thing, like what's wrong with being a victim? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's a survival mechanism. That's how you're operating. What I, what I find, though, is that people, if you were to say that, like, hey, I, I'm, I feel like being a victim right now, they make it an absolute identity. Yeah. So now it's not that I'm being a victim in this moment. It's like you're, you're calling me a victimized person in general. Mm -hmm. And really, that's not the absolutism. Like, honestly, could a powerful, confident person who's accountable for his life and responsible for her life, can they find a place where they play victim? Absolutely. A lot of the time unconsciously because there's a narrative that like victims are bad and wrong and you don't want to be a victim because you're vulnerable and you're weak, mm -hmm. powerless, right? right like right. you've gotten take advantage of mm -hmm. by someone or something, mm -hmm. right? And so it's like when we operate from like I'm a victim, we're, we're a lot of the times we're doing it from an unconscious space and it's serving, it's serving us why we tell that story, mm -hmm. right? Because like there's a payoff <laughs> with the victim story. So it's like, instead of like pushing it away, love your victim self and be like, hey, like put your arm around him. Like, what's going on? Like, why are you a victim? Like, wh why are you showing up this way? And it's like, it's like it, it flourishes and it opens up within you. And because you're coming at it from this compassionate, loving space, you're able to start working on that shadow work and healing, mm -hmm. reintegration of that aspect of you. Mm -hmm. So now like you can use your victim self in an empowering way and, and, and by embracing it, right? And having no judgments for any part of you that shows up, mm -hmm. but then also being conscious of like, this is showing up for the purpose of integration. And, you know, uh, so to kind of like continue down my little tunnel about the absolute part, because the victim is one aspect of it, you know? Mm -hmm. But when I talk about absolute, you know, because this is how people open up. You know, a lot of people will stay closed and think that they're fixed in reality. Like, oh, no, I'm a trustworthy person. You can trust me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I'm, I'm accountable. You can believe me. Um, you know, like, that's how I am, period. Right. Is it possible that a trustworthy person makes questionable decisions that are not trustworthy? I believe so. I believe anything's possible. So when someone says, no, that's not who I am. Yeah, I'm not saying that's who you are. I'm saying that's how you acted. Mm -hmm. you know that one instance and it doesn't define who you are as a human being or your identity but if we were to be willing to say that's not who i am and where in my life do i act that way that's not how i how i identify myself and where in my life does that show up anyways mm -hmm. that's where the power is i believe yeah what do you think um pay attention to like i i pay attention to this too mm -hmm. pay attention to um very reactive reactions of denial so defensiveness like, never no dude that's powerful right there so <laughs> listeners if you're if you're listening if you ever find yourself defensive mm -hmm. like you're defending against something like wait wait no that's not how it is no right. what did you just know you know yeah. and that defensiveness comes up that means 
there's something true about it that you get to look at. Right. Well, maybe it's not true. Okay. Okay. Factually. Right. But for you, it's true. For you. Okay. Subjective right? truth. So right. like whatever I deny in someone else and completely resist, it's what's not integrated in myself. Oh my God. That relates right back to shadow work. Right. What I deny in another person is the part of myself that I'm denying. I see that because if I didn't like, let's say, uh, let's say I was raised, in, you know, by a, an abusive parent, and uh, which I wasn't, but <laughs> let's say I was, um, and then there were, I guess, certain aspects of their being, like let's say, um, if they walked around with fists closed, you know, what right. I mean? And so now I made it mean that when fists are closed, abuse is possible. Mm-hmm. So now if I or see loud and dominant, right? And so now I see someone on the street, kind-hearted, gentle, big teddy bear but they walk with their fists closed. It's mm-hmm. almost like it triggers that reaction of like, oop, don't trust him. That's abuse right there. And so, okay, let's, let's talk into like, why would you create that situation in the first place? Your higher self is the most intelligent being there is. Like okay. you are the, you are the, the wisest the sm- person you, you know. You are the wisest person you know. Right. So you're, here you are walking along the street. You, you're not really conscious of this person with the fist closed. Again, the reason you'd create that it's because there's time for integration because what's going to happen? You see the fifth close, it's going to trigger a memory mm-hmm. of the abuse, right? And there's, that's where like the healing will take place, right? Mm-hmm. And so like for your next step of mastery and evolution in consciousness, you're going to manifest somebody walking down the street with their fist closed so you can be aware of it by paying attention to what's showing up in the body and then having that process of integration, right? And that's what we go, that's like kind of the work that I do that I go through with clients. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is the traumas and the shadows that we're not working with in ourselves almost automatically manifest in our space. All the time. In order to heal us. All the time. Is that what you're saying? All the time. Hmm. The more we're saying no to it, the more we're prolonging our healing and we go right back around the mountain again. What you resist persists. Right. And so like, Okay, let's go back around the mountain again. But here's how it works. Like, at first, your trauma will come to you in a whisper and say, hey, scenario, mm-hmm. event. Hey, um, can you pay attention to me and can you give me some, some love and attention and let's, let's heal this. <laughs> okay. And then you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to pay attention to you right now. So then it'll come back around and say, hey, remember that last conversation we had? Like, I, I think it's time to have it. And then you go, no, 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 no. I don't want to deal with that. So then it'll come back around and say, hey, listen, I need you to pay attention to me. And that's where the scenarios of our life get louder and louder and more intense. Yeah. And, the, and we start seeing the patterns. And we're like, why am I always creating people who cheat on me? Wow. Wow. Where, like you're, you're stopping yourself because you're not healing that. So right. you keep manifesting that same pattern. Not because you're bad or wrong, but you're like, it's like deal with your stuff. So then eventually it'll come to the point where it'll grab you by the collar and smack you across the face and say, pay attention to me. I can't, I'm a testimony of that one. Yeah. That shit slapped me in the face a bunch of times yeah. so far. And it's kind of like a pattern. And I'm like, what the heck? What do I got to heal here? Like, I'm ready to get past this and move on and with my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I'm saying. And that's interesting. I want you guys as the listeners to kind of uh, relate that to yourselves. Like, where in your life do you see a pattern? What's the pattern for you? What keeps showing up in your space, whether you like it or you don't? especially when you don't. So what's the lesson for you? What do you get to learn? Like what is the universe screaming at you for you to learn and heal? And you know, what's interesting is, you know, last question, cause we're coming towards the end of our episode mm-hmm. already. But, um, but yeah, my, my other, my follow up question is what is that purpose? Like, so the, the universe is putting in front of us the exact trauma that we're avoiding for the purpose of healing. Is that an, is that, is there a finish line for that? Or is that just, for the rest of our lives, we're just constantly looking at things that need to be healed. So like our being, again, so like you have karma, right? Which is like cleaning up your stuff. And then you have the dharma, which is like your life purpose. Ooh. Right? So like I, I see it like peeling back layers of onion, right? So like you discover one limiting belief and you do your shadow work around it. You clear it in the body, you clear it like boom. And then you reach a new domain of power and um ability because now that's not holding you back anymore that energetic box not in you you keep flowing and flowing with it so like the purpose is unfolding your purpose like the purpose of it is to unfold in your purpose in your dharma purpose whatever that purpose is for you and you discover it like again essentially what i'm talking about is self-discovery that's essentially it. like discovering who you're not so that way you can be who you actually are really 
at the end of the day. So do you, do you think that there's ever an end to that? Is there ever no. like a, a goal, like a, hey, I'm here, no more lessons. <laughs> Just give me what I want well, and make me be happy. There are many beliefs around what that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, like enlightenment or something? Right. Like, so there are beings that choose to come in enlightened already to be assistant to the evolution of the planet. So now we're actually talking about like before even life exists, some right. dharmic. Right. Race. So I'm not saying like, here's the thing back to like the absolute thing. I'm not going to say that's the absolute truth. Right. However, it's a possibility. It is a possibility. And for me and my personal experience, it's the most powerful place I can. Hey, I like that. And I just want to speak into that. The most mm-hmm. powerful place you can stand. It's like, despite what I think is the truth as an absolute, where what belief or what perspective can I look at it from as a truth that would actually have me operate with power as opposed to victimhood or suppression or what have you, right? Right. So, um, so yeah, so we're coming towards the end of our podcast session together, together, unfortunately. Um, but I did want to take this opportunity to give you, um, you know, a, a space to promote yourself to, you know, if anybody on any of our listeners or viewers got any value from who you are, what you're up to, what you're speaking about, um, and they want to know more about who you are, what you're up to, how could they find you? What do you want to talk about? Like, what do you got going on in your world that you want to promote? Um, so right now, like I'm a pretty low key person, right? So I, I, I like to work with people when they're ready and they're and like, and they're ready to go in. Right. Cause like, so like when they're ready to pop. Yeah. Like the work is intense. It's not, you know, like, Hey, let's just do this thing. Like it's not cavalier or, or, or common. Right. So like, it's like, are you ready to commit to like going in and diving in and like confronting your demons and loving them? Right? loving them right so mm-hmm. like where can you find me like um here on facebook right and just reach out to me send me a message and we can discuss like working together um my instagram is also at manifestation poppy mm-hmm. i like that <laughs> manifestation yeah. poppy hey. yeah you know so i i speak into many many different things how like um non-duality and awareness and sort of like enlightenment understandings and teachings tie into shadow work mm. right because it's not just about like the shadow aspect it's also like the larger self right the self right not like the tiny little identity self there's the self that holds all this stuff together whereas like it really is effective to do shadow work when you're learning how to identify as what you are really Mm. than just playing in the world of form only right because it's all an illusion anyway right 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 so like when you can return back to the pillar of truth, which is silence, right? Like the pillar of truth is nothingness, no thing. Right. right? You can return return to that as a beingness, as I am. I just am. Like I am. I am. Right? I am that awareness, the aware observer, whatever you want to call it. It's not really an it. There's just this like, it's an experience. So, so there's mm-hmm. this unspokenness to it that can really only be experienced in the beauty of silence mm-hmm. and stillness. Mm-hmm. Right? So in that space of that silence and stillness, you discover what you actually are mm. beyond the concepts of the mind and the definitions and the descriptions. So, so you do like what, one-on-one coaching sessions? Yeah, or? I do like one-on-one coaching sessions. Um, and then we just keep flowing that way. Right? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so, um, so cool. Anything else that you want to plug for yourself? That's what it. You got going on? That's pretty much it. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for being on. Um, so yeah, here's a, a, a few things that I'd like to speak into. Um, so uh, first of all, I, I always like to promote my, uh, my laugh ringtone. So I have a very unique laugh. It's uh, loud, <laughs> funny, obnoxious sometimes, um, but natural for sure. And, uh, and I've gotten so many comments on it that I actually posted it up on iTunes store. So if you want to download my laugh as your ringtone, that'd be fun. Uh, and that'd be awesome. It'd be a great way for you guys to support me. It's only a dollar. 29 you know what I mean? <laughs> um but uh yeah so i just want to speak into that secondly uh, uh i usually talk about my workshop successful i kind of right. uh, mentioned it earlier i've got a new york date coming soon um but uh i've got something in the works right now i've got an eight-week uh, curriculum learning curriculum that i'm putting together and uh it's it's called to love from fear kind of like we're writing a letter uh 
Oh, actually, two fear from love. My bad. Two fear, uh, two fear from love. And it's like we're writing a letter. The whole purpose of the eight-week curriculum is to help you get clear on your goals, your dreams, and what you're actually going for in life, but also to kind of separate the two thought systems of love and fear and have you pledge your allegiance to the love, you know, and actually mm -hmm. listen to what love has to say. Um, and so, it, you know, the curriculum, it, there's different tiers, so you can come in a very cheap price and just you know get on a weekly distinction call with us and have a reading list and books and stuff or you can go top tier and have a personal icf certified coach that also supports you through a team effort of uh, creating your life so that's what i'm up to in terms of a eight-week curriculum if you're interested in that you can go to pond to flight like pond p-o-n-d-t-o-f-l-i-g-h-t pond to flight dot com and that's my website it's got all my information background history and all that kind of stuff um, and then last but not least, uh, I want to talk about Visionary Living Podcast, which is uh, what you're listening to right here. Um, and this podcast, Visionary Living, is designed to have people share stories where they lived their life out of a vision and they used a vision to create their life. They actually used it as almost like a lighthouse in a, amidst a storm where no matter what was occurring in their life, as long as they stayed focused on what it is that they wanted to create, they kept trudging through it and they actually have it happen. So I think that vision is important and hopefully this podcast is a tool that you can use to support you in your life to manifest it powerfully with a vision. Um, outside of that, I like to dedicate this podcast to Brenda Rivera, who is my mom, who passed away when I was 13. And uh, it's my way of allowing her to live on, her name to live on through me in all that I do and what I'm up to. So thank you everyone for uh, listening and for participating in this. Thank you, Anthony, seriously, yeah. for your awesome. contribution. Thank you for having me, honestly. It's, it's a pleasure. Yeah, seriously. And I can't wait to get together and, and talk more outside of work and <laughs> hang out. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. And thank you guys. Thank you guys. And uh, yeah, we're going to close the podcast.